Well, good morning, everyone. Good to have you here at church. My name is Roy Conover, and I am the care pastor, and welcome here, uh, especially if you happen to be brand new. I know that some of you could have skipped out and gone and done fun things. It's a beautiful weekend, but glad you chose to come to church, and for those of you who are joining us online as well. Uh, before I start this morning, I did want to pause, and I wanted for us to be able to pray for what is happening over in Israel and in the Middle East and the Gaza Strip there. And I wanted to just say a couple of words uh, about this, because I've had many conversations this week with people who are stressed and struggling and worried about what's happening there. Some people asking the question, is this the end times? Is that what we're facing? Uh, uh, struggling with uh, just the idea of war. And um, what I wanted to reassure us is that God is in control. There isn't anything that is happening that he doesn't first pass through him, that he allows to happen for whatever reason. And the reminders that I like to give myself are that God's ways are not my ways. His thoughts are not my thoughts. So even if something does not make sense to me and why something is happening, I can't control any of that. And no amount of worry is going to change that. And so we need to be able to come to God with that confidence and come to him in prayer just pouring our heart out to him with the reminder where he tells us in Philippians to be anxious for nothing, but by prayer and petition to make our requests known to God with thanksgiving and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And that's where we need to rest. And we want to pray for the people of Israel, for the people of Palestine, the, the innocence in all of this. And yet, ultimately, God holds us in his hands. And nothing is more important than any one person coming to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. So without us fully knowing all of the ins and outs of what is happening, we can come, to con come with God with confidence, trusting him, even when what we see doesn't make sense and it produces fear or anxiety in us. So let's go to God in prayer this morning as we pray for Israel and Palestine. Lord God, we... We come to you, and you know how this has just stirred up so much for people. God, it, the, the evil and the, just the, the brutality that we have seen defies our understanding. And God, we pray for you to intervene. We ask you, uh, in, in our limited human understanding, uh, not knowing all of your purposes, but God, we ask you to please bring peace. You tell us to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. We pray for the peace of the nation of Israel and for the Gaza Strip. We pray for you to protect the innocent Palestinians in this. And God, ultimately, that we would just surrender to your will and trust you uh, even when we don't understand. But we, we just surrender all of this and surrender those people in that region to you. And we just ask you to do more than we could dream or imagine. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, we are in this series, He Hears Us, which is a study of Psalms and using the Psalms as a way for us to actually pray to God in lots of different circumstances and in ways in our life. But if you're brand new and joining us, you may not realize this is part of a larger series, Bible in a Year, that we started in May. 
And so we started in Genesis and we've been working our way through the Old Testament, currently camped out in Psalms as we're talking about prayer because so much of the Psalms is about prayer and talking to God. So this morning, um, when Pastor Kyle asked if I could teach this weekend and he, I saw the initial title for the series, um, I took exception to it. You can go ahead and put that up there. Drew, I, I said, I really don't like this title at all. And I said, can I go ahead and change it? And he said, well, unfortunately, we've already put it in print and we've prepared all the small group materials. And I'm like, Kyle, this is terrible. And you know what? He's not here today. So we're just going to go ahead and strike through that because I hate that title. And instead, we're going to retitle it today, God's Not Done With You. So regardless of where you're at on the spectrum, wisdom is not uh, relegated just to those who have gray hair. Those who have gray hair sometimes do have more life experience and wisdom, that's true, but uh, age is not an indicator of wisdom and maturity. Uh, But we're going to dive into that today. I just want it to apply to everyone, okay? So God is not done with you. Now, I did an informal poll as I was preparing for this, because I was curious to see what people thought contributed to maturity or how they grew in their life. So here were just some of the anecdotal comments that I got from people when I asked them that question. Uh, One person said it was serving. For them, they grew and matured when they put other people's needs before their own. I thought, okay, that makes sense. Uh, Experiences. For another person, they just said experiences, because the more I have experienced in the life, the more I have grown and learned from my mistakes. Okay, that makes sense. Another person said groups, that for them, so much growth and maturity has happened being in relationship with other people. And when you're in a group, you get to know them better, and you do life together, and sometimes they challenge you, and so maturity can come through that. Another person said Jesus, which is always the right answer, right? If, if in doubt, just say Jesus. And for them, it was deeper. Uh, for them, it was about growing in their relationship with Jesus and his specific words in the New Testament. For them, that has helped them grow in maturity. Uh, the next person said church. And we know that the Bible in Hebrews chapter 10 says, don't forsake the assembling together. There is an importance when we gather together because God is here with us and we're hearing God's word taught and we're in relationship with each other. So that will bring maturity. And then I uh, talked to a married couple. This was fun. Uh, I was curious to see what the response would be from the husband and wife. And the husband's first response was, well, I just do whatever she tells me. <laughs> like, okay, that, there's probably some wisdom in that. And he, he said, but in all seriousness, I've learned not to dismiss what she says because there is usually a lot of wisdom in it. And he has grown over the years to trust his wife's wisdom and her voice. She talked also about experiences, the same as someone else, but for her, the twist was, she's learned over the years how much to invest in the relationships in her life, that some relationships are not uh, gonna produce the best in her, and so she's learned with family, friends, coworkers, whoever, how much time she should give to those relationships. The last person said the word truth. 
She grew up in a home where there was so much deception and lying that when she was older, she wasn't sure what the truth was. And then she got into a relationship with Jesus. The Holy Spirit came to live inside of her. And for her, she said, now I live with the truth coming from the inside out instead of the outside in. Uh, ooh, that was so good. Now, all of these are uh, variables and things that we can experience, choices we can make that will help us grow because there's no guarantee to maturity. It's dependent on us and what we do with all of these things in our lives. But uh, just to give you a snapshot of what that looks like. Now, today we are going to be in Psalm 71. And Psalm 71 uh, is uh, written by someone that is anonymous. We don't actually know who wrote Psalm 71. So you can put that up there, uh, Drew. So with Psalm 71, uh, the writer is anonymous, but what we do know is that he uh, was most likely middle-aged, maybe a little bit beyond that. And so he was looking toward retirement age. He was someone that had adversaries. He had someone, people who were pursuing him, and he was looking to God to protect him and to help him. He was most likely a musician in the temple, serving God day and night. This much we know uh, based on just study and, and what scholars have discovered as they've researched this particular psalm. But we also see that he makes three affirmations about uh, his relationship with God, but they're bound up in time, which is interesting. And so I kind of uh, put it in my own words, but came up with three different ways that he makes these affirmations. And the first one is he remembers. He remembers. And so what he's doing is he's actually looking back on God's faithfulness in his life. Remember, he's about middle age, a little bit beyond that. And what we see in this passage, uh, in part of the psalm, is him looking back. He says, for you are my hope, Lord God, my confidence from my youth. I have leaned on you from birth. You took me from my mother's womb. My praise is always about you. So he, he, even, he isn't even listing out here all the different experiences he's had that gets him to this place where he's remembering from the time of his birth and his youth, God's faithfulness, but this is what he is remembering. And it brings me to this point, if you will, about thinking about our past and remembering God's faithfulness, and it's this. When you encounter various trials, remember God's faithfulness and praise him. Because we're going to experience trials in this life. This is just a given what we're going to uh, have happen. And I was thinking about uh, where we started in the Bible and, and uh, in Genesis and remembering God's faithfulness. If you have been keeping up with the reading plan, we started in Genesis and in Abraham, when he was introduced, has all kinds of different experiences experiences where people are coming against him and experiences where God is providing for his needs. And in all of those moments, something that Abraham does, if you caught this in your reading, is he will stop and he will build altars. He just took stones and he would place them one on top of each other and he would give a name to the altar as a way to remember and give God thanks for a time that he gave him victory over his enemies, a time that God provided for his needs, he would stop and he would build an altar. 
And that was one way that he would remember God and go back to those experiences. So if in his travels he came upon that altar again, he would be able to give God thanks. We also saw with Moses as we were reading through his accounts, right, that he led the people out of Egypt and God showed himself powerfully through all of uh, the signs and wonders that he did, the 10 plagues in Egypt, but then being a pillar of fire, parting the Red Sea. I mean, there was so much. And what did uh, Moses repeatedly do? We see him remind the people over and over and over again of God's faithfulness and all that he did in bringing them out of the land of Egypt. So, Remembering God and his faithfulness is throughout the Old Testament, and we also see it in Psalm 77. That psalmist is also reminding us, he says, I will remember the Lord's works. Yes, I will remember your ancient wonders. I will reflect on all you have done and meditate on your actions. So clearly, there is an importance to us remembering. And so I was thinking about that, and I was Thinking back to the early days of LifePoint Church, before we started, for those of you who are new here may not know, we had four families that helped start the church. My wife Tracy and I were one of those families, and so we were in our early 30s. We were so young back then. I mean, this was over 25 years ago, and we had a three-year-old and a -a one-and-a-half-year-old, and we were just trusting God. We were like, what do you have for us, God? We were in Southern California at the time, and prayed, and this church was being founded, and that founding pastor asked us if we wanted to come. And so within a 24-hour window, I get a job offer as a social worker in Washoe County, and our house sold in a down economy, and I knew God had just flung the doors wide open for us to get here. And so there's just no question, and we were so excited. We get here, and then it felt like the wheels just came off. The first week that we were here, we were staying out at the pastor's house out in Genoa, and I was driving up Jack's Valley, come around the corner in the morning, the sun was blinding me, and I see this shadow come across, and the next thing I hear a boom, and then the hood is crashed up, and then smoke's coming out of my engine, and I'm like, okay, well, I think maybe that was a deer, I couldn't tell, I get back to the house, I jump in. Tracy's car and she's looking at me like what are you doing and I told her I think I hit a deer and if there hadn't been blood and fur on the hood I'm not sure she would have believed me but anyway I I didn't have sick time so away to work I went the following I think it was a couple weeks later I'm at work my wife calls me and says our son Nathan who was three at the time passed out didn't know what was going on. I rush home, meet at the emergency room, getting all kinds of testing. I think he had a bowel obstruction or something, and he ended up being fine. A week later, Tracy is complaining we're at home that she can't breathe and that she, her chest hurts. I'm thinking she's having a heart attack. So get her, grab up my kids. We're in the hospital, getting all kinds of testing. It ended up she had pleurisy, which is an inflammation of the lining around the lung, if you've never heard of that, and can be quite painful. And my conclusion after those first six weeks of being here was that God had brought us to the desert to die. That (laughs) was what I believed. I mean, I just thought, you you made it so easy for us to get here. And now look at, I mean, life was just hard, but there was a lot of growing that was happening in those early years. And I 
the job in Washoe County, I'll be honest, it was terrible. I hated it. I was from California, and they did not like Californians. And so it was just stressful all the time. And so I just began praying. I'm like, God, just if you could get me that job in Carson City, uh, I've heard great things about that office, and I would love to work there, and it'd be way closer to home. And I just kept praying, and I felt like God was saying, wait, not yet, wait, not yet. And so anyway, then a job came open at a nursing home, and I felt like God was saying, no. So what do you think I said? Yes. And so I jumped from the frying pan into the fire, and it was terrible, terrible, because the director wanted me to do unethical things with my social work license. And so it was three weeks of misery until that opening at the state came in Carson City. And I grew a ton during that time because I learned, number one, when God says something, just do it and listen. Uh, but I got impatient and I wanted to make my own way and make it happen. But I grew a lot. And then in those early years of the church, you know, this was the first building that we had uh, before any of that other stuff existed. But then as we kept talking about Jesus and telling people and they kept coming then we just began to add buildings over the years and seeing people's lives change. And mine was one of them that changed in that process too. So the psalmist is telling us to remember. There's an importance in remembering. And even as I was preparing for this morning, boy, it was helpful for me to think back of God's faithfulness in bringing us to where we are 25 years later as a church. The second thing the psalmist tells us to do is to remain, not just thinking back and dealing with our past, but remain present, remain in your current circumstances. What does it mean to remain connected to him? Well, he says it here in uh, the, the first part of this psalm. He says, be a rock of refuge for me where I can always go. Give the command to save me for you are my rock and my fortress. He is very grounded, present tense, current circumstances, Remain connected to me. And so we know the psalmist has adversaries, and clearly here he's identifying that as he's saying to God, and I trust you, just give the command to save me. I know with one word, God, you can do that. And so the point we can draw from this idea of remaining that we see here is remaining with God requires being connected to God when all your circumstances tell you to run and hide. Have you been there? Mm -hmm. You've been there? Maybe some of you are there currently. Because our circumstances can easily overwhelm us. And the temptation is to want to just run. Yeah. To bury our head in the sand, ignore it, pretend like it doesn't exist. Whatever we have to do, because that's going to make us feel better. And unfortunately, that doesn't work. And it doesn't help. And maybe you've been walking through some kind of health challenge. For you or a loved one. Maybe you've been going through cancer treatments or you've recently had a surgery or someone you know has had a surgery, or you're dealing with a chronic illness. I mean, health issues, small on the scale to large on the scale, have a way disrupting our sleep, eating patterns, everything. It can upend our life, and it can be tempting to just, I want to make it go away. Or maybe you're dealing with health, uh, or dealing with financial challenges, financial pressure, because you're looking for a job, struggling in the job that you're in, uh, or dealing with school loans, uh, the stress of school for you, uh, all of those 
might be interacting in some way. And just those pressures can make us want to escape. Or maybe it's a relational challenge. Maybe you've gone through a divorce recently. Maybe it's been a long time ago, but there's still some struggles there. Or you're dealing with a coworker or a boss or a friend or a family member. And the relationship is strained. It's not where you want it to be. Maybe you know you need to have a hard conversation and you just haven't gotten there yet because it's easier to want to just set it aside and not deal with it. But when we talk about being in our current circumstances, how do we remain with God? I want to fast forward to the New Testament and look at Jesus as he's talking to his disciples because he gives us some great advice about how to be connected with him. In John 15, 5, Jesus is telling them, I am the vine, you are the branches. The one who remains in me and I in him produces much fruit because you can do nothing without me. So part of our being connected and connecting with God in our present circumstances is recognizing he's the vine and we are the branches. We are dependent on him. And when we try to operate outside of him, like me trying to take that other job that I knew he had told me no on, did not produce anything good. I could do nothing apart from him. And so the challenge is to when we hear God and we know he's directing us a certain way is to actually obey him and do what he's told us to do. So what are those circumstances for you. And you may be sitting here and maybe you've been a Christian for a long time and been walking with God. Maybe for you it's newer. Maybe for some of you, you're still kind of curious, just checking it out. You haven't even made a decision to follow Jesus yet. So how does that apply to me? Well, I think maturity happens no matter which of those categories you might fit in, because ultimately it's about us learning. But I believe when Jesus is saying we can't do anything apart from him, we can't do anything apart from him. One chapter earlier in John chapter 14, he tells his disciples, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So if you've not yet asked Jesus to be your Lord and Savior, that happens through Jesus, through believing that he is the Son of God, that he is who he says he was, that he was in heaven with God, came to earth. He's God's son, died on a cross to forgive us of our sins. And that when we call on his name, we will be saved because he overcame death. Three days after he died, he was resurrected, proving that he was God and God over death. So for us, maturity is believing that, but then it's also staying connected to that. If he is the vine and I am the branch, how do I stay fully connected to him? When I was thinking about my present circumstances and my role here as pastor, I wouldn't limit it just to, you know, what's currently happening to me today. I would back it up. I would say it's, you know, the time that's surrounding right now. So for those of you who've been here since 2017, I kind of go back to that. That was a pivotal moment in the recent past where our lead pastor transitioned out. It was a really hard time in the life of our church. I felt like God put me in a place to be here to help lead. It was uncomfortable. I made lots of mistakes. I know I hurt people in the process. That wasn't my intent, but unfortunately that does come with leadership 
And it was a struggle. It was hard. And I'll tell you, I learned a lot during that time from previous mistakes that I had made. And then I got to make some new ones. And I've since learned from those. But in all of that, I know God has been maturing me as I humble myself, but remember that he is the vine and I am the branch and I need to stay connected to him because apart from him, I can't do anything that is going to bear any kind of real fruit in somebody else's life. So this gets us to the third affirmation that the psalmist is making, and that is we need to be resolved. Resolved, because now he makes a, a shift When you get to verse 14, instead of remembering or talking about the current circumstances, he's actually starting to look forward. So in verse 14, he says this, but I will hope continually and will praise you more and more. He starts to look forward and that continually tells us that it's forward thinking. But then he says this, He says, God, you have taught me from my youth. Again, he's looking back. And I still proclaim your wondrous works. Even while I am old and gray, God, do not abandon me. While I proclaim your power to another generation, I still have life. I still have value. There's much I can contribute, right? Your strength to all who are to come. He's looking forward. He's not staying stuck in the past, thinking about what's just been. He's thinking about who doesn't know yet. And God, I may be old and gray, but man, I want to still keep telling other people about you. So it, to me, it, it wraps up in this point when you're thinking about this. Remembering to trust God when you're old and gray begins with resolving to trust him with your todays and tomorrows. Because it's about yesterday that we build the foundation on, but it's about today and tomorrow, what's yet to come. And this psalmist is clearly forward thinking. He is clearly focused on who needs to hear about God. And is that the case for us? Are we concerned about who here yet in our valley does not know Jesus? Who yet needs to hear the message of the good news that only Jesus can bring? And anytime I think about that, I go to Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. When I think about my tomorrows and trusting God, it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, know him. Stay connected to him. He is the vine. We are the branches. And he will make your paths straight. Those paths that haven't been written yet. And we can't see that far ahead. And that's why we need to trust him with all of our heart. And sometimes not lean on our own understanding or what we can just see with our visual eyes. Because we don't have the whole picture. And we need to be able to trust him. But I get it. It can be challenging. So when I was thinking about LifePoint this week. And thinking about the last 25 years and how exciting it's been. You know what really excites me? What really excites me is the next 20 years. What God has not written yet, the people who aren't here yet, the people who haven't experienced life change, your family members, your friends, those who are coming after you, our kids and our grandkids. So we need to, like the psalmist is saying, I want to be able to tell the next generation. And when I 
was thinking about this, it always draws me to Philippians. The Apostle Paul is talking to the church there and trying to exhort them toward future thinking. Look what he says here in Philippians 3. He says, not that I have already reached the goal or I'm already perfect, but I make every effort to take hold of it because I also have been taken hold of it by Christ Jesus. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and reaching forward to what is ahead. There is so much good in the past that we can celebrate, but let's not get stuck there and rest when we've got work to do, when there are people who don't yet know Jesus, lives that can be changed because of him. That is our assignment. So as I was thinking about that and thinking about how God wants to grow all of us and mature all of us, here we are in this prayer series and we're going through this particular psalm where we're talking about how to think of him past, present, and future. And I thought, you know, let's pause. We haven't done this yet in the series where we create a moment to just pray, slow down, talk to God, and talking to him involves listening, as well as maybe you need to say some things to him. But I would challenge you, I've asked the worship team to come back out. They're going to lead us in a song, and during this song, this is an opportunity for us to pray and connect with God. So I want to encourage you, you can go back to the prayer area. We have people back there who will pray with you. If you've got a health challenge, financial challenge, relational challenge, something where you could use some support, they'll pray for you. We've got those prayer cards back at the Connection Center. Anything you've got going on, write it down. The church will be praying for you. We've got the prayer board out there that you can mark it on there. But you can certainly pray in your seats as this music is happening. You can get out of your seats, maybe come up to the stairs and kneel down and pray. You can kneel in the aisles. Wherever you want to move in this room, feel free to move. But we want to create space to be able to connect with God And hear from him. And just be able to talk to him. And then I'm going to be sitting right down here. If you have been on the fence and haven't been ready yet to take that step to ask Jesus to be your Lord and Savior. And explore what that means and how to do that. Please come talk to me. Don't let this moment pass you by. This could be a great way for you to pray a first prayer with God. If you haven't done that before. So we're going to just spend time together worshiping him, hearing from him, talking to him. Let's do this together, and then we'll finish up.
Amen. My hope and prayer is that as you were talking, listening to God, having conversation, that he was stirring something in your soul, even if you didn't hear him. We don't uh, often hear him. It's more just what we sense him saying or a scripture he's speaking to us. But my hope and my prayer is that you were connecting with him in some way. I want to, before I let you go, I just want to give you a few next steps uh, that you can consider this week based on what we've been talking about today. And the first one is just to remember, I hope you'll go away from here this afternoon, sometime this week, and whether you write this down or whether you tell someone else, think about a time in your life where God was faithful, where God showed up, where you had that Red Sea moment, where, where God parted the seas in your life, provided for you in some miraculous way, whatever that might be, but go back to that moment and remember. And then the second thing I would encourage you to do is to remain. What are you going to do currently if Jesus is the vine and we are the branches? How are you going to remain in him? How are you going to be connected to him? Whether that's being in some kind of Bible study group, some kind of home group, doing that reading plan. You, you can get those reading plans out at the Connection Center or spending time daily in prayer, praying with other people. What are you doing currently to keep yourself connected to him? The only way as, as a branch to know how to stay connected to Jesus, I need to be practicing those things. And then the third is resolve. How are you going to resolve to carry forward, to press forward as the Apostle Paul was talking about? How are you going to do that? I think sharing your story with someone else can help you do that. That next generation, as the psalmist was talking about, resolving that even when I'm old and gray, doesn't matter what my age is, I'm going to keep telling other people. Yes. Yes. So my encouragement is you would do that this week, whether it's with your barista or whether it's with a friend at school or whether it's a coworker, family member, whoever it is, you've probably had someone in mind that you think needs to know God, needs to know Jesus, that you can have that conversation with. And the Apostle Peter said that we are to be ready in season and out to give the hope that is within us, to share our testimony, to share the love of God with somebody else. So my encouragement is that you would think about somebody that you could do that with this week. The last thing is I wanted us to be able to say this prayer together this morning. Uh, and you can take a picture of this. Well, we can get you a copy of it online. It's on you version. So you'd be able to grab it there but that you would take this prayer this week and keep praying it as a reminder of how we mature and grow. What are those essential pieces? But I wanted us to be able to say this out loud together. So can we make this our prayer today? God, help me remember your faithfulness and that you will never leave me or forsake me. I want to declare your goodness as my God no matter what I'm going through and tell others about your awesome power and your great love for the world. Help me remain faithful now and always. Amen. Amen. Now, next week, we are going to be talking about we have done wrong. The Psalms have lots of uh, uh, these prayers in them. And so uh, don't shy away. It's going to be great. You're not going to want to miss it. We will see you next week. God bless you.